0: yup and welcome back to talking nicks bbd in the house with tom piccolo and kenny poon and we're here to talk some nicks since we last spoke marcus morris came in the full bullet became official summer league wrapped up the nicks did something stupid we're going to talk about all of that let's talk nicks all right welcome back to talking nick sorry we missed you last week due to technical difficulties so uh it actually turned out to be kind of a good thing because not much has changed in the world of the knicks um i don't know if where we want to start fellas but uh i think do you want to go I mean, to Knicks controversy or uh the marcus I mean, morris thing where we where we lean in
1: I, hey, I just I I want to start by knowing you know how was how was your last two weeks, big baby David? That's what I want to know. Oh,
0: that's true. That is a good point. Got to do the hi, how are yous? <laughs> um, yeah, my last two weeks have been good. You know, uh, it was my birthday two almost two full weeks ago, so that was a fun time for me. Um, been doing a lot of hanging out, doing a lot of nothing. We had the talking Yanks event this past week, which was fun, even though we had rain. But uh, I was there for that. Yankees have been playing well, so that makes me happy. And, uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Barry lately. Uh, well, since last night.
2: And, Dave, are you talking um, about the number two podcast in all of sports podcasts, Talking Yanks? Is that the one you're talking about? Did they pass? Precisely. They did. Yeah, and then Lance.
0: Lance actually actually came uh, came back and, and jumped us again. But...
1: damn, Classic but, Lance. You no, know, he yeah. gets he, Two he in gets the to the Alps. Five. He gets to the Alps and then he just you know passes more people. A lot of I equipment. didn't realize
0: Lance Armstrong had a podcast going, but good for Lance. Yeah,
2: doing
1: well too.
0: Yeah. How are you guys doing? Have your have your Fortnite been?
2: <laughs> uh I I haven't played any Fortnite ever in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, last weekend, last weekend, my twin brother and his wife had a baby shower. They're going to be having a daughter in September, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be an uncle. So that was exciting. I had a bunch of family in town for that. Saw some friends, so that was good. And then uh, this weekend, I was I actually saw Kenny at a at a surprise birthday party for one of our our buddies from high school turned thirty. So we were back in our hometown celebrating with a bunch of high school friends. Jake was there trying not to make a fool of himself so did uh, not succeed (laughs) no no we, we had a great time um and yeah yeah good good couple weekends though
1: that's good that's good kenny yeah i think tom took most of my talking points but uh i so last weekend i was not on the pod because i was at a wedding the night before for my cousin what's up shout out michael um Party kind of raged. I was sharing a bedroom with my younger brother, Greg, also on the podcast. My older brother was supposed to stay in the room with my parents, but uh, decided at 4 a.m. that he was going to stay in our room instead and uh, just jumped in the bed that I was sleeping in. So started throwing Mm -hmm. elbows in the middle of the night. I uh, did not sleep enough and ended up sleeping through the podcast. That's why I wasn't here last week, guys. Tough break. That is a tough one. But he had a kid like two days ago, so we'll forgive him for keeping me up. That's right. Kenny's older
2: brother. Kenny's older brother had a son. So Kenny is a you know – he's been an uncle for a while, but he has a new nephew. How exciting. The family's just – and he's going to be a talking Knicks listener and a Knicks fan.
1: So the, the family just keeps expanding. Yeah. My family and the pod family. I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just saying what you're saying.
2: BBD, tell us what we should be saying now.
0: All right. Well, let's. Do, we're going to do a few quick hitters today, fellas. Uh, let's start with the Knicks PR. They did something stupid. Tom, you're the most well-versed in that. Run back what happened to us.
2: Uh, sure. We can, we can talk on that real quick before we get into the, the basketball stuff just because this was kind of just a, a needless distraction. But on Wednesday of this past week, the the New York Daily News um, and Stefan Bondi, along with uh, Nancy Dillon, his co-journalist there, they, they dropped an article that was just basically detailing James Dolan's efforts to try and, and redirect some business in L.A. James Dolan, he is an owner of the L.A. Forum, where uh, the, the Lakers used to play until 1999 when they moved to Staples Center. Now there are two teams at Staples Center, the Lakers and the Clippers. But the, the Clippers are trying to acquire some, some new land to develop at their own arena. James Dolan doesn't want that to happen, I guess, based on this article. He's trying to use some of his influence to, to keep the Clippers from acquiring this new arena and, from, uh, and hopefully playing in the forum in his eyes. So after that article came out, it was, it was a pretty you – know, MSG came out and called it a hit piece. I'll just read the first sentence of it really quickly, just to give you a sense of the tone. It says, Let's hear it. "Utilizing his bottomless wealth and familiar bully tactics, James Dolan has attempted to derail the development plans of a low-income city in California and influence its mayoral election from across the country." So he does kind of come across as like a as like a Disney movie villain or something in the, in the lead. But uh, what what happened next was. MSG released a statement completely refuting it and just saying, you know, it's common knowledge that the Daily News has a vendetta against MSG and all this stuff. Um, and, and that's all fine. The MSG wanted to come out and, and refute an article. That's pretty common for a company to do if they believe a hit piece was run against them. The issue was the way MSG dispersed this statement was through the NYX PR Twitter account which just didn't make any sense. The news has nothing to do with the New York Knicks and just kind of furthers this perception that Dolan is clueless and he's, you know, just too involved in, in Nick's decision-making and it it hurts their reputation as a whole. And a lot of people would point to that and be like, well, that's why the Knicks didn't get any free agents this summer because of Dolan and, and just the total, just kind of clown show they have going on there. And this is just more evidence of that. So you know, it's a shame that that Knicks PR had to go ahead and tweet that out because if they didn't, no one would have even heard about this story. No one would even be talking about it. But here we are.
0: It's another uh, remarkably stupid Knicks thing.
1: So I, I'll say, over the last few weeks, I felt like the Knicks have kind of been um, making. I, and I don't know if if they've been doing anything behind the scenes, but there has been a concerted effort to make the Knicks front office and management look a lot better. Uh, There's a whole Reggie Bullock thing, which I believe we're going to talk about a little later. But he's had some issues, and his agent came out with some like some great lines, reported by I believe it was Woj. It was, uh, does anyone remember the the what what he called Dolan? Something good. There's a
2: lot of flowery, a lot of flowery language. I remember that. Yeah, they called so, the
0: Knicks a first-class
1: organization. Yeah, and so he was very complimentary of the Knicks. And then um, Amari Stoudemire, who's also trying to make a comeback, he said that the reason he came to the Knicks to begin with was because of James Dolan. So Again, very complimentary. Um, Nate Robinson, another former Knick, came out and said that he would not – or uh, if he had a choice of New York or anywhere, he he would stay in New York or he would go to New York no matter – no matter what, because he loved playing there so much. So, like, there's been a lot of these kind of little stories floating around, and, you know, I wonder if the Knicks kind of PR is behind them or if this is just very, you know, coincidental happenstance that all of this good stuff is coming out about the Knicks after all of the stories about their dysfunction being the reason that, uh, that you know, stars aren't going there. Either way, like, that's all fun and good, and then this happens, and it's like you had all of this kind of goodwill going in your favor yeah. and moving, moving, moving you in the right direction, and then this kind of takes a step backwards. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully the other stuff starts to outweigh this, and you you keep hearing more good things, and you know, at at some point they just outweigh the the weird stuff, like like the story Tom just told us.
2: And look, there's a section of, of Nick's Twitter that looked at this story, and they say the Daily News does have it out for the Knicks, like they deserve. They, they deserve this kind of retribution here. They, they think that the Knicks deserve to, to clap back, but, and that's fine. I mean, if MSG chooses to do that, to respond, that's again, that's okay. The issue again is bringing the Knicks into making the Knicks a part of the story. Whereas before Nick's PR tweeted, they were completely not a part of it at all. So yeah, just, just wrapping up time putting a bow on that. Like, it had nothing to do with the fact that James Dolan and MSG wanted to respond. It's just how they went about it involving the Knicks. The
0: whole thing's silly because it shouldn't even have to be a topic on this podcast, but here we are. So moving along with more on-the-court kind of uh, topics, we got two signings that that became like officially official in the last uh, Ten days or so—I forget exactly when everything went down. Uh, we ca- kind of have to talk about them congruently, though. Uh, we're talking, of course, Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock, because uh, you know Reggie had signed on the first night of free agency to the two-year, twenty-one million dollar deal. And a few days later, we find out he's apparently really injured. We now know that it's like a herniated disc in his spine or something, and uh, that kept him and the Knicks from agreeing to terms there, but they decided to reorganize and, and come together on a different deal, which ended up in working out favorably for the Knicks and opened up caps just for them to sign Marcus Morris. So I don't know. Uh, Kenny, what are your, what are your thoughts there? Just, just rapid fire, whatever you got on, on that topic,
1: rapid fire. The whole Reggie Bullock thing was, was weird, right? Like, yeah. Cause, cause it just kind of came out like, Oh, like, there's some stuff going on. They're renegotiating the contract. Maybe he's injured. They, the, the original you know, thing that came out was they don't know if he's going to be able to play the full season or something like that. Um, and then nothing happened. Like we didn't hear anything until after the, the, um, the actual signing happened. And then we heard he had surgery to, to repair, repair the herniated uh, cervical disc or something like that. Um, and, Again, maybe that's, maybe that's something in favor of kind of the Knicks front office and that all being kept quiet during that entire thing, uh, just because I know that was a big thing for Kawhi. He was not happy with kind of how much stuff got out. But, again, that's getting a little, a little off topic. The Reggie Bull exciting, I think we, we talked about it a lot when it was originally announced that they had agreed, agreed to terms. I think he's a, he's a good player. He's um, one of the few guys that the Knicks brought in that is both uh, useful on the offense offensive end and not completely useless on the defensive end so um I think they said he's gonna miss about a month of the season that'll be exciting or when he gets back uh Marcus Morris i'm a I'm a he's another one of the, these these uh tough defender tough just all around players and I'm um, I think he's gonna fit in well you know I haven't again like most of these guys haven't watched a ton of them independently of when they played the knicks but You know, I, when I think of him, I think of a solid, you know, defensive player and a solid tough, you know, screen setter and possible roller. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what he brings when he, when he uh, comes along. Yeah. I'm going through
2: his stats right now. And I guess one thing we keep looking to at all these, um, these acquisitions is how can they help the younger players develop? And oftentimes that's either as a playmaker or helping to space the floor. And obviously the Knicks signed a lot of power forwards. Marcus Morris is another guy who's ideally a power forward. So, you know, there's a lot of LOL Knicks talk going on. Um, We should also talk about the hashtag say Knicks for clicks movement that was going on earlier this week. That was pretty fun. But fun. Uh, but, But Marcus Morris is a guy who, in recent seasons, he's actually been hitting from three pretty well. In Boston last year, he took over five threes per game. And hit on 37.5% of those, which is solid. But I, I kind of dug in a little deeper to see where those where those uh, attempts were coming from. And just over four attempts per game were coming on catch and shoots, where he was hitting 39% of those threes. So when he's taking shots that are kind of like in the flow of the offense, when he's getting kickouts, he's hitting almost. I mean, he's hitting 39%. That's really good. Um, it's it's on his pull up. Uh, three-pointers when he's taking them off the dribble he takes nearly one a game or he took nearly one a game last season and he hit 31.8 percent of those so that completely tanked his three-point percentage otherwise other he'd be closer to 40 percent
0: yeah I mean th- there's nothing to dislike about the Marcus Morris signing right um, he's a really solid player people forget that you know just two years ago back when uh, you know, the most recent iteration of, the, of that Celtics roster started coming together and they went and traded for Kyrie and were planning to take the East. Uh, They went and they, they flipped Avery Bradley, who was a guy they loved for Marcus Morris. And he was going to be, you know, their lockdown defender, the guy who's going to cover LeBron. That's kind of a topic that came up in in when Jake and I talked last week in the episode that uh, we'll never see the light of day. But uh, but, but he's like a genuinely good player are coming into the season he's kind of like what our second best player as far as like what we know we're gonna get from people you know I'd obviously there's, we want we want like you know it to be clear that barrett knox mitch rob are all better than him by the end of the year but you know as far as what we know maybe probably number two or something like that right
1: yeah i'd say um, julius randall and then marcus morris as the Like you know what you're gonna get from those guys, like at a bare minimum.
2: Yeah, Uh, high floors.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And as as a two-way guy, Morris may even be better, um, but Randall's a better passer. He's shown a higher capability for passing when he wants to. So, yeah, that's that's a tough one. But they're they're one A, one B in my book. And they're again, those are both power forwards. So finding minutes. For them, like maybe you're slotting Marcus Morris as a small forward, maybe Randall's playing some center, but that that leaves you in a, a tough spot defensively. So I I know we want to t- we want to get to it eventually, but I Fisdale is going to have some real real uh, tough decisions to make when it comes to to allocating minutes with this with this um, roster. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, it's it definitely gets gets pretty weird. Cause even before the Marcus Morris thing, people were, were clowning on us or signing what, like four guys who would be listed as power forwards between Brandel, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis. Uh, I think I'm missing somebody, but there's a bunch of guys who pros The primary spot would be the four. Now it's a lot of guys who can slide up to the five or a couple guys who can go to the three, but then you bring in Marcus Morris and it's, it becomes actually pretty funny. And on top of that, we have all these young guys in the system. So you, you, you got to figure out: like, are we going to play the young guys and focus on developing everybody before trying to win games? Are we trying to kind of win a bunch of games, get the good vets in, go for a playoff spot? It, it gets weird.
2: And that's so, what I, that's what I'm kind of wondering, Kenny. I'll, just real quick, like I'm wondering if hey, how secure is Fizdale's job? You know if he feels extremely comfortable with his job security, he'd probably lean towards playing the younger guys and developing these players long-term, right? I'm talking about guys like Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett. I mean, even Dennis Smith Jr. versus Alfred Payton, right? Like DSJ is a much higher ceiling, but Alfred Payton's probably the better player today. Um, what's, what's your ceiling if you're playing mostly these veterans? I, don't, I still don't think the Knicks would be, a, would be a playoff team. I think they'd be looking at like 34, 35, 36 wins. Um, maybe, maybe a couple more than that, but I don't know. Like, it, it's a tough decision between like balancing, like looking out towards the future versus trying to win this season. I know a lot of teams struggle with this,
1: but the Knicks have a, have a pretty unique roster. Yeah, and so I think that there is a plan here that we don't really know about. Um, and my guess would be, to start the season, at least they're just going to play the best players and the minutes will figure themselves out. And once people, we get a little bit into the season, anyone who has trade value is going to get moved. So like maybe some of the younger guys will be more hesitant to move, but anyone, you know, that they just signed who's that's on one of these kind of one-in-one type deals is going to get moved. And then they're going to bring back probably draft assets if I were to guess, and the minutes will figure themselves out. That's how I think this is all going to shake out. I don't know what you guys think about that.
0: It's the type of thing that's kind of – it'll solve itself throughout the year. We already have one injury. Bullock's going to be out a month. But other guys will get banged up, miss games here and there. Um, And then, yeah, especially the the longer the season goes, the more likely – some of these guys are to get moved off in trades. Um, in, in, a, in a lot of cases, it won't be as big a juggling act as maybe we think it is. But we are dealing with it with a team that's got you know 15 guys under contract that really do deserve NBA minutes to some degree, unless uh, you've uh, unless you watch Frank and realize he's kind of
2: well, really bad. But that's the problem. though. <laughs> is like if we're talking about guys who who deserve NBA minutes, like. Kevin Knox, just in terms of his impact last season, was one of the worst players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say he didn't show a great deal of promise, or especially on the offensive end. And it's just like, yeah. as a, he's going to be 20 years old this season. He's still not going to probably be a positive impact player. There are going to be other guys on the roster that if you want to win games, you'll play them over Kevin Knox. But if you're a Knicks fan, I feel like, you don't want Kevin Knox's minutes to be cut at the expense of one of these other guys who's on a one-year deal, right? Like Kevin Knox, you're hoping is kind of the future. Whereas mm. Marcus Morris is on a one-year deal. Marcus Morris will help you win games a lot more than Kevin Knox will, but he's, you know, he's kind of like a hired gun at this point. Kevin Knox, we're hoping will be more of a long-term answer. Uh, I
1: think there a few years ago there were, was- in uh, college basketball, Missouri was just making wholesale changes every game. So, like, every player played, like, 20 minutes a game. And <laughs> maybe that's what we do, you know? Just just keep everyone's minutes down. Last year, Kevin Knox got tired at the end of the year. Too many minutes. Uh, he really slowed down. This year, everyone's going to get 20 minutes. How about that?
0: Keep everyone fresh? Yeah. yeah. Is it? It's also going to be because we can only have 12 guys – Active a night, so three guys have to be like inactive all the time. So even a guy like like Iggy Brastikas, we haven't talked a ton about, but he really lit up summer league. He's gonna probably get a lot of time in the G League, even though he showed enough that he that in fan in most fans' eyes, he deserves to be playing in the NBA. But he's probably gonna be shoved in the G League a little bit, which might be good for his development. Um, yeah, it's gonna get it's gonna get
2: weird with these guys. I mean, and and those kind of conundrums are all over the roster like you could right. say the same thing about Damian Dotson and RJ Barrett like Dotson showed last year he could be a very good player on such a reasonable contract
0: he's uh, one but, of our more efficient players for for stretches of the season
2: for sure and like uh, RJ Barrett like Knicks fans are going to be hungry to see him get a lot of minutes and show what he can do in a, in a year that the Knicks aren't going to make the playoffs right so like the question becomes you're going to not mm. make the playoffs and win like 30, 37 games, or are you going to not make the playoffs and win, like, you know, 27 games? So that's kind of the, the question in my mind at this point. Versus, and It all depends on how these mints are dispersed.
1: And I was only kind of joking about the whole Missouri thing because legitimately every night, if everyone plays, uh, there's enough minutes for everyone to play 20 minutes exactly, right? And we don't have a ton of very big stars who deserve, you know, 40 minutes a night like so you figure Randall and Morris might be closer to 30 but like there are a lot more minutes to go around than I think that we think there are just because no one does it and I think that's more of a chemistry thing and a more of a you know most people don't have that deep of a bench thing so I think like it's it's not impossible that this year's Knicks team is a little different from those those teams because like we're not we're not playing for for anything and most of those teams they're trying to Kind of develop chemistry and have all of their players who are going to be playing in the playoffs like get together. Here, we're just trying to get everyone minutes and keep everyone healthy and get someone get some development and potentially get some return on, on our investment. So and, don't don't count that out as an impossible uh, situation.
0: And it's also just seeing who works well together because you know some of these guys, if they turn out to be good, these one and one guys be might want next year when we're trying to actually make the playoffs or something. So you gotta figure out who we might want to keep and who, uh, and, and figure out you know trade values for all these guys. Cause you want to get those guys minutes and, um,
2: yeah, I hadn't really considered this year as like a tryout for any of these guys on one year contracts or, or like one year fully guaranteed contracts. I know a lot of them have partial guarantees in the second year for like a very little amount of money, but, um, I hadn't really considered that that possibility. That's why I was coming into this season almost thinking like, does chemistry really matter that much for most of these guys? But if you do look at it as, as kind of a tryout trial period, then it it does matter more with coming from that perspective. So I don't know. It, It completely depends on your, your mindset. Are you glass half full guy glass half empty guy? Um, I I'm just fascinated to see, I know we're gonna be talking about this a lot, um, I'm sure mm-hmm. the rest of the summer and as the as the season unfolds, but I, I can't wait to see how Fisdale uh, you know, kind of answers
1: this task. And kind of to be clear, like I'm not expecting that that's what's going to happen. Uh, I just think that it's not an un it's not an impossible situation that that won't happen, right? Because I have no idea how this is all going to shake out. Because like we we said, it's an unusual situation where we have this many players. Who all deserve NBA minutes? So it'll it'll for sure be interesting to see what happens. And we've seen
2: it before, where like you know you need to give guys minutes if you want to up their trade value. Um, yeah. We we said that about even Frank last season. He wasn't getting enough minutes, and and when all the trade rumblings started happening around Frank, we we're like, you are selling as low as possible on this guy because he hasn't been able to show what he can do on the court at all. Or at least he had, he hadn't been put in situations where he could be successful. So, um, yeah, I mean, here's hoping that that some of these guys. I I hope you're right, Kenny. I, I hope they do turn around and trade some of these guys before the deadline to contenders for, for teams looking to bolster their front court depth. Maybe someone needs an Alfred Payton type as like a backup point guard. But uh, I don't know. I,
1: I'm hoping you're right. And I'm, and that that's another question is how long do they wait? Right. Because presumably there's going to be a lot of these teams looking for something pretty early on. Like the Lakers come to mind. I don't know how much in terms of trade uh, of draft assets they have left to trade. Um, but like there are teams out there who want role players to surround their stars with. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of will we be able to get the most value earlier in the season or as is usually the situation where we have to wait all the way until the uh, trade deadline before the the values really kick up.
2: And I think it's going to help that the at least, I mean, kind of both conferences are are more wide open than we've seen, right? So there are going to be Mm -hmm. a lot of teams who can talk themselves into being contenders as the season progresses. So, I mean, especially early in the season when everyone kind of thinks they're going to be contenders, you're going to have got teams like, Indiana and uh, in the East hoping to compete. And, you know, in the West, you'll have guys like teams like Utah, Portland, like they all are going to think they have a chance to make a run this year with with Golden State being, uh, you know, (laughs) having lost Kevin Durant and being depleted. So uh, I I like that, that the landscape is more wide open than ever. And I think that's going to, that should up the, the value of some of these guys in my eyes.
0: And and you never know, there's always there's gonna be somebody who gets injured and, and a team might not be able to fill it up with another star, but they'll fill in with other role players or role player for role player substitutions there. So because everything's wide open, teams might be more willing to give up a little bit for role players more than we've seen in the last few years, where it's like we're not a role player away from beating the the you know, the old Golden State Warriors and now you might be a role player away from from being better than the team that was in front of you.
1: Yeah, and this this might be a little a little hot takeish, but given the way that kind of um, free agency unfolded, and particularly with the Kawhi Leonard situation dragging out so long, and the the Lakers the piece coming out about the Lakers fielding kind of like jilted lovers, and after. Uh, Kawhi asked them for a bunch of stuff and then they feel like they delivered and then he just left them. I feel like there's going to be a lot of kind of fear of missing out on any of these players that the Knicks have to offer. It's like, okay, they have these players. Who knows who's going to be available later? We know that these are solid players and we know that they can make us a better team right now. I think there might be a decent amount of that. Like, again, this is a very unique situation and who knows what happens, but I think that that's a possible outcome.
0: Similarly, we get into these situations because you know we're starting to figure out that the way the NBA economics works now and everything, guys are changing teams so rapidly in free agency. So if you you know there's like it's something like there's like six All Stars from two years ago that are still on their team or something like that. So teams are going to be probably less patient now as, as we're starting to figure out how of these contracts and stuff work a little better to capitalize when they have guys that are, you know, this good right now, because we might not have them for two, three years down the line or, you know, things just change really quickly, circumstantially. And guys want to walk or ask for a trade. You, you never know.
2: Yeah. I sure. mean, one thing I'm going to be look one thing I'm going to be checking out over the course of the next few weeks is just, like teams who made mid-season acquisitions that really helped them during their playoff run. Obviously, Mark Gasol is a huge one in Toronto, but I mean, he was kind of an, he was an all NBA level, you know, defensive player of the year caliber center uh, just a few years prior. So I'm, I'm curious, like when you think about the, the archetype of players that, that um, contenders are looking at going into the playoffs, like you usually think immediately of the three and D guy, right? Like someone who can play on, like a Danny green type who can hit threes, who can defend on the perimeter and can switch a little bit. And that's not really the type of player that the Knicks loaded up on this offseason, not to keep piling on to, to get all the uh, acquiring all the power forwards, but you have to think like how many teams are a Marcus Morris away, a Bobby Portis away, a Taj Gibson away from, you know, taking the next step in the, in the playoff hierarchy. Um, You know, I'm – yeah, what do you
1: think, Kenny? And so I think that just in the new era of you have a bunch of stars on a team and then you have no one else, like we saw the Lakers or the the Warriors who had five all-stars on their team um, throw out the most ridiculous lineup in an elimination game to start the fourth quarter. And so at some point, some of these teams just need people who can play basketball, and the Knicks have a lot of people who can play basketball. Like we said, none of them are stars necessarily, but all of them are capable of playing basketball and are capable of, of kind of garnering minutes in the playoffs. Yeah,
2: and I guess I just want to hammer home that point a little more. It's not like we're sitting here as Knicks homers being like, oh, all these playoff teams are going to be clamoring over these dudes. It's not like that at all. Like we, I think we totally are, are clear-eyed about this and, and what the Knicks have. And even with that, like there's there should still be some demand for capable NBA rotation players who have valuable experience in some cases and guys who you just know can play during playoff basketball.
0: Yeah, these are guys who pretty much all of them can be rotational pieces on genuinely very good teams. Uh, We have, you know, guys who maybe none of them are going to maybe be able to start for any championship team, but they're going to be able to come off the bench even – Even like Wayne Ellington is a guy. If some team just wants a shooter who will be not a zero on defense and and help out the bench unit a bit, he's on a pretty cheap deal. You know, there's guys, nobody's really getting paid more than they're worth except for maybe Taj Gibson, but that's only because the team that came together around him. It's kind of weird to figure out how he's going to get minutes on the Knicks, but we know he's a good player and $10 million a year isn't that big. An overpay for a guy like that. So no teams are going to be asked to take on like a huge contract and shuffle around salary cap too much. Uh, so, so the point is these guys that aren't going to be hard to fit into the roster salary cap wise and are guys that are going to be able to give you minutes in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, man. Like, I mean, some news that came out yesterday was Kyle Korver agreed to a one-year contract with the bucks who are obviously a team who think they're like very close. They're on the, on the, edge of, of being able to compete for a championship so i mean wayne ellington i think kind of falls into that kyle Korver category of someone who can just like come off the bench and for short short stretches just light up defenses sprint around screens you know create some havoc with the defense and uh and they are both kind of one-way guys but there's clearly still a demand for players like that
0: yeah you can be one-dimensional but as long as you're you know, good at that dimension. There's, a, there's room
2: for you in this league. Right on. Uh, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you guys think? Is anything else we need to talk about? Any Knicks talk?
1: I mean, we can. We can do a just a quick. Uh, I know Tom is a big proponent. Not, I don't know the opposite of a proponent and opponent of talking about summer league because, and I agree with them in many respects, it is largely useless. Uh, but I kind of look at it, look at it as a, you know, an eye test situation where I just want to see what people are doing and what they're, what they're showing me on the court. Don't necessarily care all that much about the stats. Uh, but just the, the two people that I thought were most interesting, um, were Kevin Knox and, and R.J. Barrett. Um, and I thought both of them, the last few games, uh, Kevin Knox statistically wasn't that good, but I saw him doing a lot of things that I hadn't seen him doing previously. There were a couple plays where he just kind of bullied over guys. And, you know, last year I think we talked about him having the, the um, frame to put on some weight and build some strength, and it looks like he's added a little bit of strength. And R.J. Barrett, I, I tweeted out at some point that he was pressing in the first couple games and he was trying to do too much. And it looks like, you know, they kind of gave him the ball and let him run the point guard, and he looked pretty good for the, the last few games. So that's that's pretty much all I have to say about, about Summer League, and I'm, I'm going to leave it there.
0: Yeah, no, nothing – you can't take too much, you know, out of what you see in Summer League. But yeah, R.J. is a guy that a lot of guys had their eyes on. Especially since Zion sat out summer league and John Morant sat out summer league, so he was technically the guy who was like supposed to be the best player in the in summer league. Um, but those first two games were rough; people were ripping him, and he responded to that pretty well and had had a solid showing for himself in the last three. So nothing more you could really ask for. If you, if you overall told me that this was what was going to happen with RJ's summer league. Uh, before it started, I would have said that sounds like as as good as we could get, other than him being just like a dominant force for the five or six games, which would have been awesome. But
2: throughout some fire takes. But uh, for now, I think we'll just keep it short and sweet. Yeah,
1: all right. That's sounds good. sounds good. Next all tape. Right. Well, let's have a good week. Talk next week.
0: Absolutely.